Let us make every effort to add to our faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. If we possess these qualities in increasing measure, it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What is up, everyone? This is The Truth of the Matter Is, podcast number three. I'm your host, Daniel, and I am with Jonathan, a.k.a. Dre, yet again. The main man, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, brother. Super excited today. Can't wait to continue with the First John series today, and I can't wait to engage in a pretty deep conversation with you. So what would you say? encompasses what this podcast is about i think uh you know it's kind of like we said in episode number one it's all about gaining perspective so to speak yes it's about also viewing the bible in this proper context and applying the bible to real life challenges the overall goal in the end is i want believers and also non-believers to become one more vigilant two attentive and three you know just being able to to discern and read and apply the bible you know that's pretty much the way that i've seen it and i think that without a doubt that's what my goal here is well i would like if we could give the people a nice warm welcome And uh, what better way to do that than to start off with a prayer? Yes, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you a question. Now, I wanted to ask you this question off the air, but I thought it would be perfect to ask you on the air for perfect and really good context. Okay. So. What you got for me? Yeah, so this is what I wanted to ask you. You know, I was working Friday and I encountered something when I was working. And one of the things I encountered was there were people ordering Starbucks, not in the morning, not in the afternoon, but in the evening time. So my question to you is, do you believe that certain meals should only be eaten at certain times? So for an example, do you, leave, do you believe that bacon, egg, and cheese, a bagel with cream cheese, is only reserved for a breakfast meal? Are you open to eating it at dinner time and at lunch? What are your thoughts for that? I mean, that's the most New York thing to do is ask a New Yorker if it's okay to have a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll at any time. Yeah, man. Like, I don't think it really matters per se. Like, I I think French toast is cool at 2 a.m. in the morning the same way that you want to have, like, some oxtail and rice at the beginning of your day is perfectly fine as well. Like mm. food is just food and shouldn't be, you know. 
ordered whenever. It's it, plus because it's Starbucks too. It's like what was it like a coffee? Yeah, he had drink coffee all day. Yeah, so, he had three yeah. coffees. Probably one of them was probably a strawberry or a mango juice, some sort of mix that they have. Yeah, some sort of mix that they make at Starbucks. But the reason why I was asking you that question is because so this is what happens, right? I go in to pick up the order. And before I actually take the order, I go to the restroom, right? Because I need to use the restroom, right? And then when I come out and I depart the restroom, this guy goes in to the restroom with his drinks. He had three of them. He went into the restroom with his drinks, Daniel. And the first thing that crossed my mind was like, did I really see that? Nah, I didn't see that. So when I go to get my order, I hear a family on the side talking about it. Like, they just going in with his drinks? They just going in with his drinks? And I make a statement. I'm like, did y'all see that? And they're like, yeah, like, who does that? That is disgusting. Like, why would somebody want to do that? And I'm just sitting back and I'm just like, man. <sighs> I mean, no one's going to steal your drinks, bro. You can leave them out there. I, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, extra, that's extra cautious. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's had like a bad experience or something. Like, because I know once, but this is when I was in middle school, right? Uh-huh. I stepped off of the, the table, right? It was, it was, you know, it's all just sitting down, having lunch or whatever. And the middle school kids are, are jerks. I can't say <laughs> I can't curse on here. So <laughs> middle school kids are like jerks. Let's put it that way. Step off the line. I went to the bathroom. Came back like three minutes later. And I remember when I came back to the table, everybody was like looking at me. And everybody kind of put their heads down. I was like. Okay, weird, whatever. So I sit down. I got my tray there. You know, I'm getting ready to start eating. I remember this too. It's like so vividly. Mm-hmm. It was, it wasn't the rice, but it was the chicken nuggets. Because everybody liked chicken nuggets, right? Mm-hmm. That was like the biggest thing. Like when you have free free back in the and day. And the pizza. And that frozen pizza. Yeah, the pizza. <laughs> uh, it, it, as long as it was, um... I think if it was the round one, it was okay. If it was the oval shaped one, it was, eh, oh, rectangle. I'm to avoid that one. <laughs> yeah, the rectangle one was pretty nasty. Yeah, but the you know how you get the duck sauce to put the chicken nuggets in, right? Mm-hmm. I remember it tastes really weird. I was like, why does it taste like a tangerine or an Ooh. orange? Like it was really nasty. So I spit the food out, and then everybody started laughing. And I was like, what did you guys do to my food? And to come to find out, my friend, I'm doing the quote fingers at the time, my friend spit in the in the duck sauce Ew. on my chicken nugget. So that's why I never leave food around for other people to see it, mm. unless if I'm at home. And, yeah, so I get why he took it into the bathroom with him. It was like maybe he had a similar experience of maybe he was in school or something and his friends just violated. Wow. But who knows? I didn't think think he was going to provide me with that perspective, but maybe. maybe. (laughs) You got to be cautious sometimes. I I totally understand it. I don't think I'll take it with me in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe you go to the waitress or Mm -hmm. the, what is the, the bartista? Yeah. That's the correct term for it. Yeah. Like, hey, can I just sit these drinks here? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think I'll leave it around public people either. So I, I understand. Man, you're never going to know what you what kind of response you're going to get on this podcast, The Truth of the Matter Is. Because mm-hmm. that one right there, I didn't think you were going to tell me that. 
that that that's a unique perspective. That is you trying to yeah, you, understand. You, see, you thought you were setting me up. Yeah. But I had a counterpunch ready for you. Yeah, you know? that you know what? I respect <laughs> that. I respect that opinion. You know, I get it. I get it. But still, a combination of what you want to enjoy and you go to the restroom to empty out what's clogging you. <laughs> so to combine those two and to know that you're taking those drinks to people that are potential family, <sighs> well, what you don't know won't kill you, right? They won't know it. So that's between him and himself and his conscience. So, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll jump right into prayer. <laughs> right into prayer for that conversation. <laughs> right. I think we all need some prayer after yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially judging him. Nah, maybe stop. <laughs> okay. Let's get serious <laughs> now. All right. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each and everyone who has decided to dedicate their time today with us to listen to this conversation that we are about to have, inquiring about your word. Open up everyone's eyes to see their ears to hear, their hearts to receive, and their minds to understand. I hope that this conversation brings about positive reflection and puts things in proper perspective from a individual perspective and standpoint. We know that anytime two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. Therefore, we welcome you and invite you to stay. And we ask that you begin to work on everyone's heart. Lord, we say these things boldly and with surety. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I don't think I've ever asked you this mm-hmm. before, but is there like a proper way to say it? Is it amen or amen or does it not really matter? Uh, I don't think it matters. I never put okay. too much emphasis on that, but I don't, I don't think it matters. Okay. Let's leave the technicalities. Think for another time so that we can mm-hmm. get into the first John series. Yeah. I think sometimes it's all dependent on culture and where you're from. So I mm-hmm. think that plays a huge role as well. Whether it's the amen or the amen, I just stick with amen. Makes sense to me. But I ain't, I'm not shunning anybody or casting any aspersions on anybody that wants to say amen either, you know? Okay. Check. So we'll continue the first John series, as you stated. And we're going to go into. First John chapter one, and we're going to read verses five through seven. And this is where we're going to create our dialogue. So it says, this message we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So out of this text, we're going to talk about three major points that I reflected upon and I think could be an asset to helping people grow. For one, we're going to talk about the relationship with lightness and darkness. We're also going to talk about what is expected of us while being in relationship with God. And finally, what is expected to happen when living in truth. So. To begin, let's discuss the light and darkness. So, from what I've studied and what I've started to understand is, in the Bible, light really stands for spiritual illumination and truth, right? It encompasses all that is pure, good, 
and holy. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, 10, verse 16, it says, What it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Now, to be holy is to be set apart. Now, this one thing that is expected of us while being in a relationship with God is to be holy, to be set apart. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Light in a biblical context is a symbol of salvation, spiritual growth, and discernment. Light also characterizes God himself as the source of all truth, which means that all truth is God's truth. Now keep in mind, light can only be understood and appreciated when we contrast and compare it to darkness. Proof of that being is explained in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And it was evening, and it was morning the first day. So in my opinion, I am of the belief now that I could be wrong. But I believe that we live in a cause and effect world. What do you think, Daniel? Do you believe that we live in a cause and effect world? So by cause and effect, you mean if I put in a certain amount of work into something, right? Mm -hmm. So for just to provide a little analogy, right? If I worked hard consistently seven days a week, I will then be able to get an opportunity to get my first house by whatever age. Is that what you mean? Yeah, something like that. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, I definitely believe that. It's more, but it's a little bit of a, a twist to it. It's like, okay, working hard doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get desired results, but you will get a chance at what it is that you are trying to achieve. It may not be the chance you're exactly looking for, but you'll get something um, along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from a biblical standpoint, I would say here's an example of a cause and effect sighting, right? Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 25 says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come will be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by by faith. Now this faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. So to put it in simpler terms, the law was given to the Jews and put into place by God for the time being to eventually lead us to Christ. Now following the law was and is very hard. How do you think so, right? You might ask. James puts it this way. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking them all. Therefore, this faith that we now have through Christ Jesus provides salvation. Through that salvation, we are given grace and mercy by God through the same faith which the law cannot provide. So, Daniel, that leads me to ask you a few questions. I'm being put on the spot here. Yes, you are. Okay. Yes. 
Go ahead. So, go ahead. And this all is going to tie into First John and the text that I read. You'll see very shortly. So, what kind of qualities do you look for in a friend, Daniel? Qualities I look for in a friend. Okay, this is going to be um, a bit of a lengthy answer. No problem. So Take your time. That we got all day. Everybody bears with me, you know? Yeah. Um, I view friendship as the family you get to choose. Mm. So you have your immediate family, right? Mm-hmm. That's something you can't really control. You should be thankful for, but um, giving certain context, right? Um, but you can't control it. So your friends kind of become the family that you get to choose, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I tend to look for people who are able to give balance type of energy. And what I mean by that is, for example, I think I'm pretty good at giving advice. I've been told mm-hmm. that from pretty much everybody I give given advice to. But at the same time, um, I don't expect somebody else to be able to give me good advice if I am in need of it. I feel like a good friend being able to return that energy would be able to, if you're not good at giving advice, maybe you're a great listener. And if you're not a great listener, if I'm feeling down, perhaps we could go out and have a good time. So their charisma and their energy and their ability to provide more for excitement would be a way of returning the good advice that I've given them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just kind of look for a balancing act as well as, you know, people who respect you. It's probably the biggest one. And people who um understand and appreciate you. Mm. So okay. those are, those are the good. Okay. I'm a short version. That's what I look for in a friend. All right. In the words of my big man and my wife and kids, let's dig even deeper. Oh, yeah. we, we got a second round here? Second round of yeah. questions. If a friend <laughs> okay. needed a favor from you in some way or fashion, why wouldn't you put in a good word for that friend? What would be the reason not to? Um... If they weren't punctual, mm. especially for a job, um, the main thing we have as people is our word, and that's the only thing people can do besides take us at face value. So if I know I'm dealing with somebody who um, isn't a punctual person, you know, is late, or isn't reliable, I don't think I would recommend them for a job. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely reliability and, and punctuality. Mm-hmm. So when I go back to the first John, two verses that I read, what it says is if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness and we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What I'm saying is. When it comes to following the footsteps of Christ, who is our example, and operating in truth and operating in a life, it can be challenging, right? But what we need to understand is that 
God is a God of process. He understands that change takes time. In fact, he knows that doing what is right can be very difficult and challenging in the world that we are living in, right? Second Peter chapter three, verse eight through nine, it says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. This is the point I want people to understand this part right here. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repentance is not just forgiveness, but it's an expectation that God wants us to change our behavior, right? God wants us to change our behavior, and he is willing to impart more grace onto us as sin increases, right? He is also of the belief that humans have the ability to change. That doesn't sound like a God that hates you and wants you to fail, but it sounds like a God who loves you, right? So we understand that God is a God that is, has reputation and legacy, just like there are many others in the world that have and want to build a reputation and a legacy. So, so question. Sure. You said the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Mm -hmm. What does slowness mean to God compared to how we view slowness? Mm -hmm. So the before, so every verse has context, right? So the before, the before statement before that comment, it says a, to the Lord, a day is, so let me go back. It says with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So the way that we process and understand time is not the same way he understands time. The scripture says that my thoughts are far beyond and are not the same as our thoughts. So I'm paraphrasing here. His thoughts is not like our thoughts. The way that we think and process information is not the way he thinks and process information. For us, we recognize what time is because we understand how things can take long and how things can seem quick. But God is outside the time zone. So when he says a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, we really don't know how he is interpreting and understanding time because he's time itself. So for us, in terms of how long it's taking, right? Because this particular context it's rooted in that chapter is discussing how some are questioning when God is coming back right and they're mm -hmm. trying to anticipate what he might when he might be coming back and therefore with that understanding they don't know and even it says in the gospels not even Jesus knows the day nor the hour nor the time not even the angels in heaven so when he when it says as some understand slowness their understanding of slowness is from a humanistic perspective. God operates outside of that time, so his understanding of time is completely complex and different than what we can imagine, think, or even understand or perceive. Therefore, that is the reason why it says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, right? Because when God's going to mm -hmm. do something, he's going to do it. Why? Because he's God. So I hope that understands your question check cool so now we're talking about reputation and legacy and 
you know, when you think in history and you think about currently, it's important to have a reputation, a great reputation at that. And you want to leave a positive legacy. So looking at historical figures like Malcolm X, Dr. King, Martin Luther, Jesus, they're leaving a reputation and a legacy. And we think back to what's going on currently because the goal is to relate all these things back to the current state now in the world that we live in now. And, you know, I'm a fan of football. I know you're a fan of football. I'm a Jet fan and you're a Giant fan. And we were in stakes for this guy named Deshaun Watson, right? Because he's been having some trouble down there in Houston. And one of the things that came up that almost destroyed, well, I think it already has, right now, tarnished his reputation is these sexual harassment assaults. And right now, as we speak, he's dealing with some stuff right now and he's trying to clear his name. Last time I checked, I think there were 22 women that accused him of violating their privacy, asking for massages, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get too deep in that. So that leads me to ask you, is there anyone that you look up to or anyone that you follow currently that is involved in such a thing when it comes to their reputation? You mean like scandals or yeah, something like that in the news, current events, or just yeah, yeah, scandals, I know. some sort. Of. Uh, not anybody that I look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but you know, I guess for a more worldly perspective, you can people watch Game. Uh, you ever seen Game of Thrones? No, but everybody keeps telling me how good it is. And yeah, so the last names in the show, you got like uh. The Lannisters, you know, one of the key phrases you will hear from the Lannister family is the Lannister always pays his debts, mm. you know, or like uh, the Targaryens are known for being like crazy uh, royalty lunatics, you know, mm-hmm. that end up going on like suicidal rants once they become like a king and stuff or a queen. So mm-hmm. that's just a good that's a good example of people's last name tying into having a certain representation mm-hmm. you know speaking of so, a good name there you go the book of proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed mm. is better than silver or gold and we repeat that proverbs 22 verse 1 says a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed is better than silver or gold so to Connect that back to the worldly example I provide with Deshaun Watson. Right right now, he's a man of great riches. Right? He's a man of great riches. But right now, clearing his name is more desirable than those riches that he had. Right? What's funny is, Mm -hmm. even down the line, um, even if it comes out that he's innocent, right? Yeah. There, there's always going to be that thought in people's head. Uh, it's like, okay, he may have come up innocent in the courts, but this guy, in my mind, is always a sex offender or mm-hmm. sexual harasser. Mm-hmm. So that's something he can never get cleared. It's it's kind of like, you know, think about Chris Brown. He's always going to be known for beating Rihanna. That's, that's just going to always be attached to his reputation. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say... Or, I wanted to say know, this accusations. point. Accusations. Mm-hmm. I want to okay, say this point that 
I would say the world is good for that. It wants mm -hmm. a beautiful comeback story. The world has its way of tearing you down and, and bringing you back up, right? And I think we look at that and we don't understand the significance of what that really means. Is that the world doesn't have a problem putting you in a place of regret and then watching you gain that trust back. And unfortunately, I don't like that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't like that, which is why some people are hesitant to be in the limelight, right? The minute you make a mistake, you're on full blast, right? This is yeah. cancel culture right now. It's gotten worse with social media being included now that anything you do now and is wrong or you're calling somebody out or you're saying something that a person doesn't like, they're addressing it immediately. You know, they don't have the level of decorum where they will talk to you in a personal, you know, a personal conversation with not all those other outside influencements playing a role in it to address it. But rather, their more important objective is to make news. And unfortunately, that's what's going on. So, yeah, I agree. A bad reputation can affect your last name. Your last name is connected to the generation of people, right? It will bring attention, shame, and embarrassment to the whole family. That's why I am of the belief that when you go out into the world, you aren't just representing yourself. You're actually representing your whole family. You know, whether it's the Draytons, the Andersons, the Bullocks, the Santiago's, the Rodriguez, so on and so forth. Your legacy is what people are going to remember, believe it or not. The way you carry yourself will be what is left in people's minds, you know? Yeah, so I think it's important that we need to surround ourselves with a much more supportive cast members, right? The people that we hang around to help encourage to do what is right. You know, scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It also says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharp as iron, so one person sharp as another. And I think that's something we need to continue to enforce and encourage is that be surrounded around people you want to be surrounded around, right? Bring each other up, not each other down. Don't diminish a person, but encourage a person instead. One other thing that I want to touch on real quick as we before we continue is I think the same thing goes for people that are inspiring or wanting to be in relationships with other people, right? Your reputation matters, and who you surround yourself with matters. And believe it or not, we are representing each other when we go out into the world, whether it's family or whether it's relationship. So to avoid being embarrassed. Make sure you know who you are hanging out with. Make sure you know who you are getting involved with sexually and personally, right? Understand who you are getting involved with. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are there for Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So this is something I hope that I will be able to touch on, whether it be episode four or five. But I think a lot of people don't understand is that we are the feet and eyes of Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. We are the feet and eyes of Jesus Christ. The way we carry ourselves, 
the way we talk to others matter. And sometimes you can either be an enabler for negativity or an enabler for positivity. So mm. what is I mean, it, it brings the question up then. Mm-hmm. So if these are like expectations that we should be looking for, how is it that God can um play a role in that? Like, what is it that he's expecting of us while being in a relationship with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's addressing the second point. So if you, I'll give you my opinion, and then I'm obviously going to link that to scripture because I believe scripture is truth and it's foundational. And it can assist us in life. So, you know, I believe he wants us to act like we got class, right? I think he also wants us to have character, show integrity, you know, be reliable, show a level of leadership, be kind and generous. You know, we want to be gentle as well. And I think it's important that we are peacemakers as well, right? Book of Matthew. So another word, that, mm-hmm. one word you mentioned, right? And it's it's brought up quite often, uh, especially like if I don't know if you grew up in a black family, you always hear that. Act like you have some class, mm-hmm. or you know, you may hear your teachers at school say that. Mm-hmm. Act like you have some class, like. Mm-hmm. But it's always said, but most of the time it it isn't put into action. So what do you what do you think class means? I think that there's a certain expectation. And a level of manners that you're supposed to express when you go out into the world and when you deal with people. And I think it all leads to a scripture where it's like, treat onto others as you would like to be treated. So to me, it's sort of like there's a verse, I believe it might be in Peter. If it's not in Peter, it might be in Ephesians. I'm not sure, but off the top of my head, I might just paraphrase it. But it, there's a scripture where it says, Love yourself like Christ loved the church. Let me say mm. that again. Love yourself like Christ loved the church. And it also says love your spouse like Christ loved the church. And that means to treat someone in a way you want to be treated. You know, I practice that all the time when I'm, with my, I'm dealing with my friends. The way I treat people is the way I would treat myself. That means if there's something, there's a job that needs to be accomplished, guess what? I am going to treat them the same way that I would treat myself. Go far and beyond, right? Bend completely over, right? To do whatever is needed to get it done. Why? Because I want them to experience the same amount of effort that I would experience if I'm doing it for myself, right? It's sort of like being transparent and giving the same amount of energy that you would give for yourself. Not being showing any type of favoritism to someone, right? Because some people would do anything for a loved one. And I think that the practice should be do anything and everything for anyone who is in need. Again, do whatever it takes for those that are in need. Because you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So to me, don't, I would say, don't try to pull back and play it safe. Do what is right. Do what you feel within your heart that is needed. So question, right? Okay, another question. Because I find with these type of teachings, right, um, it's great in an idealistic world, you know, where 
we always want to be doing the right thing. We always want to be carrying ourselves with a certain amount of integrity, right? But from what I notice personally between people, especially as I've been getting older and I become more, um, like I develop more emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. being able to constantly express this type of empathy and a matter of not only just how you talk to people, but also in the actions that you show to them, other people tend to take advantage of these things, mm-hmm. like these people who are constantly trying to bend over backwards for others. And it's almost like you come to the point where you feel like people don't deserve to always be treated with this type of respect, or I would say this type of class, as we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And then I watch people who don't have a certain level of standards for themselves. They tend to get drained, and then that's when the depression kicks in, or you see people constantly bending over backwards for for people who are not showing them uh, the, the balancing act that I mentioned earlier between friends, you know? So how do you, how would you say you get people who, I'm trying to figure out how to word it correctly, but for people who don't have any standards, and I'm doing the quote fingers here, that's mm-hmm. not a, a diss to anybody, but people who don't understand that dynamic, how do you go about implementing a standard so that they don't end up getting hurt in the process? Well, here's what I would say. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13 says, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing what is good. So you doing what is good has a lot to do with the type of integrity that you have. You have to understand that a lot of the reasons why people aren't reciprocating the same amount of energy that you are it's because it's a heart problem. Let me rephrase mm. <laughs> that. Mm. It's a heart problem. And some people, when it comes to forgiveness, haven't yet forgiven the people that, need, that they need to forgive. And therefore, they carry around this bitterness. They carry around this unsettledness that hasn't been completely dealt with from a personal level. See, so... When we talk about being empathetic and not sympathetic, empathetic is understanding the history of the person and why they are reacting the way that they're reacting, right? Sympathetic is operating from a place of superiority and privilege for where you are and Mm -hmm. understanding little to nothing and saying, I get it, I get it, I get it, but really not having a clear distinction or understanding what's going on. And instead, what tends to happen is, is that they go home to their beautiful home or apartment, right? And they completely and totally forget what's happening. So for me, you have to reach a level of understanding from the person and forgive them, right? When Jesus was on the cross, one of the things he says that when they were doing these things, and he says, Lord, forgive them, for they do not yet know what they have done, right? There's an understanding that Jesus got to a place where he understood that they aren't in a place of knowing, but they're operating in a place of ignorance. And when you're operating in a place of ignorance, you don't know. You don't know. So for me, one of the things I practice is there's a verse 
in the book of Corinthians, and I quote it all the time. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. Right? It always trusts. Mm -hmm. Always protects. Love never fails. So when you're operating in love, you have to look past all those explanations that a person has to why they're behaving the way that they're behaving. And you have to come to knowledge of it. And you have to be passive. Why? Because in time, the growth is is that they need to understand that things have to change. So I think it's all about coming into understanding why people are the way that they are. And I think in the end, that's just what has to happen. So let me just say one more thing, right? I was talking about what I believe are the things that matter as it relates to what God wants us to act like we have. Class, character, integrity, reliability, leadership, kindness, gentleness. And I was mentioning he wants us to be peacemakers, right? The book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I think God wants us to walk in confidence and also in truth. The scripture always said, also says in Matthew 5, Verse 13, he's talking about salt here. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses the saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the foot. Salt in the Greek means prudence. Prudence means godly wisdom, godly discernment, godly judgment. So, Daniel, in your experience with using salt, what does it do? Makes food taste good and preserves meat. Yes, exactly. So the same way salt preserves the meat, the Christian preserves the alternative way to live in this world. Right? The same way God is light, we are little lights in the world. The way you carry yourself demonstrates that. How you walk and how you talk as well. Right? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. It goes salt again. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Right. Let me add this. Ephesians 4, 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Point is, you want to be positive and you want to set an example. And you want to create an atmosphere that is contagiously comfortable. And finally, I want to go to Matthew 5, continuing from verse 14 to 16. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When representing God, here are things God does not want us to do. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. A haughty spirit means that we look down on others in a condescending way. We think more highly of ourselves than we should. This is where we look scornful, disdainful, or almost arrogant at others, right? The expression looking down our nose at someone applies here. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, 
and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. If we are going to be in a relationship with God, we should not be doing those things. So, if we're always trying to operate with, you know, within truth, what is what does that look like? What is expected of that? Well, Jesus says, right? Well, let me say, your circle will get smaller. That's just the truth. <laughs> your circle will get smaller. That's just the truth. Amen. And I believe Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. For small is the gate and narrow and the road that leads to life and only few find it. Doing the right thing is challenging, right? You're going to against the grain. That's what you're doing. You're going against the grain. Sometimes in society, I always felt like what is, what is wrong seems right. And what is right seems wrong. You know, have you ever felt that before? Uh, all the time. I Pretty much my entire life is designed against going against the grain. Like it's... Mm-hmm. I'll give you like a, a quick scenario, right? Mm-hmm. I just did some overnight shifts at work. Okay. Right. And me and my coworkers are just in the stock room, discuss, you know, discussing some things. They're trying to make future plans to go hang out and maybe we can go to a bar and get things, you know, have a good time, get some drinks. Oh, that sounds great. But I got offered to do some more overtime later down the line, right? Mm-hmm. So within a week or two from when we just did overnight and they was telling me, man, oh, you don't need to do it. You know, you could just, you know, we can go hang out and enjoy the summer, get things done. And excuse me, me, my thought is, so this is 10 weeks of overtime coming up. Uh, I think I'm going to do the overtime because my priorities are more focused or more in line with things that aren't related to partying and stuff or you know when i was coming from overnight i'll go straight to the gym afterwards and people be like well why are you going to the gym after you just done an eight or a 10 hour shift why not just go home and sleep so everything is always counterintuitive to the natural thing that people would do because i mean when you have goals and things that you want to accomplish you're that's typically how things look to the average person, or it's, it seems that way to the average person. Like, you're just doing the opposite of what everybody else wants to do. So, going against the grain is my middle name. <laughs> yeah, completely understand. There's one other thing that I want to ask you, uh, or I wanted to share with you, you know, that kind of just came to my remembrance just now when we were, you were telling me about friendships and friends. And I just want to run it by you. I want to see what your thoughts were. So, sure. you know, there were three types of friendships that I remember studying about Aristotle. And this is when I was I majored in philosophy, right? And it talks about the friendship of unity, the friendship of pre- pleasure, and the friendship of goodness, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things they speak about about the friendship of unity is that, you know, it's sort of like a barber, right? A barber's ability to provide a service for you and your ability to provide money right? As a form of income, income for him. And mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm thinking about a barber, you know, I think it's ridiculous how barbers now are charging <laughs> $40, $50 for a haircut. It's kind of frustrating. 
And a lot of them are $30 for a lineup. A lot of them are not that one. A lot of them are not (laughs) very good. And that's kind of what annoys me to this day that they have, they think they have the pause to charge that much money. Now I'm starting to begin to understand why women, you know, (laughs) they're spending so much money on their nails, they're spending so much money on their hair. And it's ridiculous, man. It's getting terrible out here. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about a barber? Do you think that that's a friend or do you, you don't think so? That's just something I want to ask you, you know. When I'm in the chair and we're chopping it up, he is my best friend. Because mm-hmm. the one thing I don't want is my hairline pushed back. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he yeah. becomes my best friend. But, I mean, after the cut is done and, you know, I'm looking crispy and I hit him with the tip. Mm-hmm. Pause. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah afterwards are we gonna go to the you know let's go to the bar and watch the ufc mm-hmm. no are we going to you know is he gonna come over and watch the fights on pay-per-view no is you know am i texting him throughout the week to let him know about this girl that i met down at the bar or you know when i was out no so in that context, no, I don't see that as a friendship. I just see it more like he's, he's an associate that you'll probably be a little bit more liberal with than anybody else. Okay. Well, yeah, that's the friendship of Yuli. You know, friendship or pleasure is something you mentioned when you were talking about, you know, something that you can rely upon in terms of providing, mm-hmm. you know, company. And the friendship of goodness are the rare ones, you know, ones that you don't really talk to. You know, I think without question, we definitely have to talk about friendships and how it's applied in the Bible. I know we mentioned this a little bit here in terms of bad company corrupts good character and whatnot. So to finally answer your last thing about, you know, what's expected to happen when you're living out the truth is this three verses that I think that kind of sums that up. And I think that we have to be mindful and we need to understand, right? Gospel of John fifteen eighteen says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Why does the world hate Jesus? Why? He represents the truth. He declares that he was the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So that sort of declaration is kind of why the Pharisees, Sadducees, the chief priests claimed it was blasphemy, right? In John 10, 10, he says, I am God, are one. I am God, are one. Now, it also says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, right? You will face tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We have to understand that, right? Jesus said in his prayer when he was in the garden, he said, I pray that you do not take them out of the world, but that you protect them while they are in the world. Right. So Jesus Mm. has our back. (laughs) Right. Doesn't seem like that. But our job is to carry our cross, our own cross at that. Right. We all have to do that. And finally, Romans 828. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So we may not know why certain things are happening, but what we do know is God's in control. Again, we do know that God's in control. And whatever is happening, God has allowed and is allowing probably to build up our character. 
right? To build up our character, our tolerance of these things that we are facing. One of the verses I like to quote all the time, and I say to myself, is in the book of James, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations to know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If anyone lacks anything, let them ask God who gives generously without finding fault. I always connect that verse, and then I connect it to the verse in Romans where it says, I believe, hmm, I have to think about this for a second. Hmm, it's not coming to me right now, but I usually recite these things. I think he says, let me just pull it up real quick, because I love this combination. I love the fact that instead of trying to act like you know it, you just... Go ahead and check it. Yeah. I feel most of the time people just be trying to remember things and they'll just keep going with it, mm-hmm. keep going with it. But have, having the humbleness to say, you know what? I actually don't remember this or I actually don't know this off the top of my head. Let mm-hmm. me go double check. Like, be, So you just talked about operating in truth, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, a form of operating in truth. This is why the truth of the matter is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. because when you don't know things, sometimes you can always come back and, and search it and find it. Yes, I appreciate you saying that. But I'll cry. So it says, not only so, this is Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also glorify in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God loves and has been poured out his heart through the Holy Spirit who has given who has been given to us. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I pride myself in memorizing some of these words, these words, these scriptures, in fact, because sometimes in the midst of what you're going through, scripture helps put things in proper perspective and applying them and speaking them to your soul, your spirit is what helps you handle things, right? One of the verses that I always say to myself when I'm dealing with trouble in the world and people who are nasty, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because anger does not produce the righteousness that our God our Father desires. So that very verse can save you from getting into an altercation with somebody. And sometimes in life, you need to constantly remind yourself of these verses because they help let you see that gleam of that little gleam of light into perspective of doing what is right in spite of how you're feeling in that moment. So, you know, my finishing statement here is, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that in the end, truth is confrontational. The truth of the matter is, is that in the end, the truth is confrontational. It causes and forces people to take accountability. It causes people to reflect. It's a push to repentance, which has changed behavior. And everyone sometimes, you know, they're not ready for that. That's the challenge. You know, they're so busy in dwelling what they're so used to that they don't realize that the only change is that change is the only constant. And yet people don't and are unwilling to experience it. You know, they would rather be subject to the same old things because it's comfortable, right? It's what you know. It's the devil you know. And that's the only thing that they know. And to me, I think we need to come out of that mentality. And we need to do better. 
So, you know, let's just close out in prayer. And you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. And Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done. Shielding us and protecting us from what we do not know. And for what we do know. I think sometimes we take for granted how much you continue to watch over us and protect us. Thank you for everyone that was listening and not listening. And I hope this conversation was helpful and a blessing to you. Lord, as we depart one another, but never your presence, let us think about such things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, let us ponder on such things. Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And let the God of peace be with you. So we pray that the God of peace rests on each and every one. Lastly, let us make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control into self-control perseverance into perseverance godliness into godliness mutual affection into mutual affection love if we possess these qualities in increasing measure it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ therefore let us grow and mature under the stewardship guidance direction and love we say these things in total confidence in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.